Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sport. My name is Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard, and welcome back. Thank you all for your comments, for sharing, and for your support of last week's episode. It was really important to me that um, it was handled correctly. And Morgan has reached out and said that she felt really good about it. And we got a lot of really great support. So thank you all for that. This week, um, I moved around uh, some of the interviews that I had kind of in bank um, to bring you this one just because of how much we laugh. And I thought we could use a little levity after last week's episode. So this week, I have Susie Petrowski. Uh, She is the vice president of sales for the National Women's Soccer League, NWSL. And um, previously, she spent time at IMG, um, at Fenway Sports Management, at MediaVest, and at Spartan Race. And of course, we talk a little bit about uh, that crazy company that is Spartan Race. Um, It's a ton of fun. There are quite a few F-bombs thrown around, uh, but in that very New England, we're just talking kind of (laughs) way. Um, so if you have kiddos, maybe not this episode with them. Um, and you know, as always reach out to us on our social media at LTPF pod and I'm at Bobby Sue. Thank you. And now onto the interview with Susie Petrowski. Hey Susie. Hey, how's it going? It is going well. How are you? I'm living the dream every day. So I'm Bobby Sue. You're Susie. People like to pretend they're funny and call me Susie Q, which I'm like, I don't even know. Just stop. How often has that happened to you in your life? I mean, I have people call me just Q because they've called me Susie Q for so long. (laughs) They just call me Q. It's funny, though. It's actually a couple like good friends that do. So it's kind of like a term of endearment. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, the thing I dislike the most, ironically, is when people call me just Sue, but then like my sister, my best friend call me Sue and I never notice it. So, you know, it's a, it's a no win. If if people call me Sue, I just do not respond. That's happened. Yeah. That it has literally <laughs> happened or Miss Sue and I just look at them and I'm like, "No." Nope. Nope. Bobby. If it's totally- a str- if it's a stranger, yeah, if it's a stranger, dislike it. But yeah, if it's people close to me, I guess I, I let it slide. I don't even notice. Yeah. No, people close to me know that Sue's just not a thing. Uh, it's a no-go. Yeah, and I'll just look at them and be like, do I, look, do I look like a Sue? I don't know. I don't think so. And I don't know. There's like a whole nother name there. Well, um, it's like when people find out that my real name is Susan, and they're like, you're not a Susan. And I'm like, well, you know, right. I am a Susan, but, you know, only my dad calls me Susan. And other than that, it's, it's Susie or Suze and evidently Sue from you know, my sister and a couple other people. But yeah, everyone can't wrap their mind around that my name's actually Susan, ironically enough. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't think it's uh, it's a common occurrence for maybe for someone to go by Susie professionally. You so know, that I think that, I'll, I'll be honest. I, uh, so my sister's name is Nicole, but we all call her Nikki. And um, professionally, she went by Nicole. Um, and I remember when I was kind of getting myself established in the industry, I remember my mom asked me, 
are you going to go by Susan when you start working? I was like, no, I mean, how badass would it be to just like establish myself in this industry? How many Susie's are there going to be? Not many. So when everyone says like, oh, that Susie girl, they're going to know exactly who, <laughs> who they're talking about. So it was actually very strategic. And, and I, I never even think twice about it now. I'm only Susie and hopefully knock on wood, I'll, I'll build a pretty good reputation with that name. That's really funny. I, um, I've always, I, I, I always go by Bobby, Bobby Sue, BSDH, BS. Oh, I like that. A whole bunch of different like nicknames. And I remember making a conscious effort um, after a certain period of time in my career where I was like, I need to introduce myself as Bobby Sue, just like at the outset. And then and now what's really funny is if someone who doesn't know me sends me an email that says, hey, Bobby, I get really annoyed because I'm like, you don't know that I like that. Oh, it's so true. So, well, my biggest pet peeve is when people spell my name wrong. Oh, my God. I I emailed you. All you have to do is look at my email to see that it's S-U-S-I-E. It's not S-U-Z-I-E. It's not S-U-Z-I. It's not S-U-Z-Y, S-U-S-Y. Like it's, it's right there. It this so happens all the time. And my first name, like Bobby almost always autocorrects to an I-E and not just an I. And very slowly I've started informing people about the correct spelling of my name. And one of those people was the CFO at my organization and, Stop. and in an email, I was like, and just like on a side note, there's no E in Bobby. And he writes back in almost, I think in all caps, like, how long have I been doing this? I'm like, Meh, three and a half years, maybe. Oh, but think <laughs> about that. Think about it. It took you three and a half years to do it. That's what that's what's wrong. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I think it's just I, I think in the last year I've gotten much more um, assertive about it because you know, it, first of all, if a vendor, you know, emails me or and they spell it wrong, I'm automatically pissed off because I'm like, oh, you, you yeah. just did no research or and then and like, you know, I get it. People are moving fast, but it's also just kind of like it's right there. Just oh, Google God, me. Yeah. It's really easy it, to find me on the Google webs. There's only oh, one man. of me in the world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> impressive, actually. Yeah. I feel like there's. There's probably, there's got to be other Susie Petrowskis. I'm not sure if they spell their last names like me, but that's actually, you know, quite an achievement. Yeah. There's one of you. I am, I, like that. I am the most unique <laughs> in a way to <laughs> make everybody who's listening crazy at being like, how are you the most unique? Unique is unique. Yeah, right. Oh my God. I, I listened to, to a podcast. Pod Save America. Pod Save America. Yes. They were just talking about it. They were saying very unique is yeah. their pet peeve. And, well, love it's and, and, pet peeve. Love it, hates it. I'm, I'm going to see them uh, live. They're playing at Radio City oh. uh, the end of May, and I am just, I couldn't be more excited. Oh, that's so exciting. They were in Clearwater, and I wasn't able to go. Um, I had something else. I think I had a, I was recording that night, and I didn't, I didn't feel like re- rescheduling. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's going to drive people crazy. Okay. Now that we've talked about our names a lot. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's so excited. everyone's acclimated yep every everyone knows exactly <laughs> what's going on with the Susie's and, <laughs> and, and and where we stand on the Susie's yeah um, nobody better fuck it up <laughs> yeah you guys listen to her um <laughs> 
how did you fall in love with sports? Oh man, what? Uh, that's a big question. Um, how did I fall in love with sports? Well, I think that that is a two pronged answer for me. So I was a super tomboy when I was younger, and I fortunately was pretty athletic from a young age. So I think anything I ever from a young age tried, you know, I could throw a ball or I could kind of catch a ball. And, and the second I kind of got a taste of being competitive in, in a sports arena, um, I fell in love. So I think, you know, from about three years old, I was playing with all the little boys playing soccer and I played soccer and softball and basketball. Ultimately I, I played lacrosse in college. So for me, it was just, I kind of think the second I realized I could kind of just have a ton of fun and run around and be sweaty and <laughs> fall on the ground and, and be crazy. I think that was a great fit for my personality type, even to this day. Then from the business side of things, I remember from a really young age, I'm a diehard Giants fan. I went to a Giants game um, with my dad and uh, I was looking around the, the stadium at the time. It was, you know, Giants stadium. And I remember saying, how much do you think, like, how do you get that sign there? You know, why is that sign there? And then as I got older, I was like, well, what do you think that, you know, it costs to get that sign there? Mm -hmm. And my dad to this day always talks about how, you know, I was, of course, interested in what was going on in the field. But more than anything, I just kept asking questions of everything from signage to, you know, the different um, activations they had in stadium. So I think he probably realized from a younger age than I did that, oh, wow, there might be a future in something uh, in this industry. So how did kind of he, how it started for me. How did he respond to those types of questions? I mean, you know, my, my dad was a, an auctioneer and, and is an auctioneer. So it totally. What? Uh, yeah, he, uh, he has his own auction company. Stop um, it. Does he do like I the still, crazy fast stuff? Oh, he sure does. Yeah. So my dad, uh, my dad isn't the best reader. He went to three different colleges in three different years. And um, he figured out his niche. He ended up going to auctioneer school. It's stuck. Um, there's like if 300 people start auctioneer school, like five of them graduate and, and that school? stuck with him. Oh, yeah, there is a school. And that was the only thing he ever graduated. And uh, he ended up, you know, uh, about uh, two years ago, not even he ended up selling his company to a publicly traded company. So it just goes to show you you're uh you find something you're good at it doesn't really matter what type of education you have i'm not sure i'd preach that but I wonder, it worked out for him i wonder how many female auctioneers there are i have to ask that question i can't imagine uh, much he actually dissuaded me from going into the auction business because of how crude and and tough men can be but you know little did he know i was gonna go i was going into sports, that worked so. out well <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but you know i i was really really lucky like my, my parents were kind of like, if you go and you get an education and you work hard and, you know, you have your integrity, your word is your bond and you can do whatever the hell you want as long as you are the absolute, you know, the best at trying to be the best. So, so for me, when I said, hey, I want to be in sports, they were like, okay, well, let's try to learn about this industry. How, what can you do in this? And I was never in a position where, it, you know, everybody knows that starting off in sports, you're making like, you know, 20 grand a year doing kind of whatever it takes to, to make it work. And I was really, really fortunate that my parents were kind of like, well, we don't know anything about this, but we think there's something there. So let's figure out how we help you do this. So I was super lucky. That's awesome. Um, 
Okay, so your dad was an auctioneer. So how did he respond to those questions? Did he just kind of come up with what he thought they would probably be based on his experience as an auctioneer? Yeah, yeah. He he always tried to kind of equate things back to that. Obviously, you know, you're in the auction business, you're in sales as well. Mm-hmm. So he did, He surely didn't know, um, but he was going to be like, oh, well, you know, when you don't really understand something, you're trying to explain it. You're like, oh, well, that's Pepsi. And you can buy Pepsi in the concession stand. So that's why they get the sign there, you know? So that's funny. he didn't really, really yeah. necessarily know how and why it was there, but he, he certainly knew that there was an industry to it. So I think he was kind of like, well, why don't you do research on how that got there? And he was always kind of pushing me to, to figure it out where we have a very entrepreneurial spirit in my family. So he definitely didn't know, but he, he certainly then did his research. And now it's funny. He'll call me and be like, I saw this in Sports Business Journal. I'm like, Dad, why do you have Sports Business Journal? Oh you don't God. even in this industry and like the you know the things we can call and talk about now. Like he 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 That's loves hilarious. it. Oh my God, he's he's so bought in. I remember when I closed my first deal. He oh my gosh, I, it, he's always proud of me. And I you know my dad's the best in the world. But everybody says that. But I think my dad's extra special. But. Uh, I remember I, I closed my first deal and he said, you know what? You know what, Susan? Because he does call me Susan. Mm-hmm. You, you have you have a talent. And I was like, what's the talent, Dad? And he just pointed at my mouth. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? You're the only person in the world that could that could say that to me, but I'll, I'll take that. And not get punched. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I, there's, I, I was always, you know, sports were always it for me when I was playing and it was a place I could go and really be myself. And then you know, I try to play lacrosse now. Um, obviously, uh, body's a little bit older, but now the place that I really feel like, hey, this is what I'm meant to be doing is is working in this industry. And, you know, when I get to kind of go and pitch something that, that I truly believe in, it's kind of the same as my dad. When I have big pitches, my dad calls a game day. So I used to call him <laughs> when it was game day. And, you know, I tell him if he, he came to most of my games, but if he couldn't come, you know, I'd call and be like, oh, I had, you know, a goal and two assists or oh, I only, you know, I didn't play so well, whatever. So if he knows I have a big pitch coming up, he'll call me be like game day. And then he'll call me afterwards. And he's like, how'd it go? And if it went great, I'm like five goals, five assists, crushed it. And if it went <laughs> not so great, I'm like, eh, I only had like an assist and a ground ball or something like that. So we still kind of equate it. Oh, my uh, gosh. Even at almost, you know, almost 30 years old. <laughs> First of all, that's the cutest relationship ever. <laughs> And yeah, we're pretty lucky. It's it's so adorable. Um, <laughs> I uh, sorry, I'm just like gushing over here about how cute your family is. Um, yeah. When did you start playing lacrosse? I started lacrosse really late. So I actually, uh, ironically enough, I grew up playing soccer, and and always thought that was kind of my thing. And then, um. Uh, I had a couple friends that were older than me that that picked up lacrosse. Uh, lacrosse was not big where I'm from. I'm from southeastern Connecticut, um, and I picked it up my freshman year and uh, of high school. So I remember I I got this. Oh my gosh! To this day, I remember I had this like rainbow shaft uh, of my stick <laughs> and a spark sparkly blue head on my on my stick, and it was so bad. If I ever saw like a kid now with it, I'd be like, throw it away immediately. So. And I got put on, uh, I got put on the JV team and I remember, I think it was, um, a couple practices in and I realized, you know, my head coach ultimately became, 
you know, an incredible friend. And, you know, I, I adore him to this day. And uh, that took a couple practices and he realized I could catch on the run. I remember that was a really big deal. And then he put me on varsity and, you know, it was kind of a match made in heaven. I was very fortunate, but I always gave him shit from then on. I was like, do you remember when you didn't put me on varsity to start my career? So I was just too competitive <laughs> for, my, for my my own good, even when, you know, very often I was not and am not the best, but my competitive nature, you know, I'm, I'm too pissed off to not be considered one of the best. So um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, it's a very New England thing. Yeah, you know, it, it might be. It's like I was. Everyone was giving, uh, you know, jo- Josh Allen saying, uh, oh, "I'm sorry, not Josh Rosen, rather oh, was saying, yeah. you know, I was, I was pissed off that I fell to ten, and everyone's kind of giving him crap about it. And you know, everyone, everyone gets to where they are with help from someone. You need to be incredibly. I feel incredibly blessed every single day to be able to work in an industry that you know, I love, and I got so much help from so many people, but you should be pissed off. You should want to be the best. You should want to work really hard. And, um, I'm not sure if, you know, I probably did get that from my dad and kind of that entrepreneurial spirit, but, um, you know, you should want to work hard. You should want to be better than anybody else, because if you're not trying your best, what are you doing? So I don't know. That's kind of my thought process. Well, (laughs) and it's, you know, you, when you know that you are doing really well, when you know that you are kicking ass, you deserve to feel valued as well. And, yeah. you know, and, and I think, you know, maybe being on JV, you didn't feel valued <laughs> quite yet. Um, Josh Rosen, you know, maybe didn't feel uh, properly valued. Um, I, I think, it, I think it happens all the time in business, you know, people who work really hard and, and their bosses or the, you know, people above them just don't recognize what it is that they do. Um, and that's also why people, you know, companies lose really good people. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm, I've been really, really fortunate in, in the opportunities that I've had that I've gotten to learn from incredible people in this industry. And, you know, I've done countless things wrong, but I've been always pretty lucky to have people that were willing to help me learn how to do it right. And I'm always hopeful that I'll have an opportunity to do that for other people. I always think now I, I, it's the strangest thing, you know, now I'll get emails like, Hey, Mm -hmm. will you take some time and and talk to me? I'm trying to come up in this industry. And I, for anyone listening, if it's someone coming up, I will always say yes, because I was really not long ago at all. The person sending those emails saying, can I just have 15 minutes of your time? And I mean, without the help of others, it's impossible in any industry, especially the sports industry. So, um, you gotta, you gotta be lucky, but, um, I, you know, fortunately I've been pretty lucky. Yeah, for sure. We'll, um, we will link to your LinkedIn on the the website so that people can reach out to you that way. Um, awesome. But just make sure you spell her fucking name, right? That's all. Or else. Yeah. (laughs) Or else she's not going to respond to you. Uh, no, I still will. I still will. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I think of not. But yes, I I also, you know what the other thing is? I This is, see, we're going to diverge and I don't care. Um, <laughs> I get misses a lot. And Ooh. yeah. So about that, like I get that the hyphenated last name kind of makes you think I must be married. But guess what? I've never been married. I know. It's weird. So. You know what? I don't think I've gotten the miss or misses yet. Oh, God. Yeah. This happened recently, and I very gently 
<clears throat> inform the person that I've never been that it's either Bobby Sue or Ms. Doyle Hazard. And Ooh, I like that. That's kind of badass. Yeah. And that in the future, I would highly recommend that unless they've actually met the other person's significant or yeah, husband or wife, spouse, that you assume everyone's a miss. <laughs> Fair. I like that approach. I like it. Yeah, God. I'll have to use that if it sh- if and when that does happen to me. I'm going to I'm going to invoke that. Yeah, it's a, you know, I think it's the hyphenated last name that definitely makes people be like, yes, oh, yeah. she must be married. You know, right, right. Um, the, the, the moral of this, the moral <laughs> of this podcast is going to be don't fuck up anybody's name or else <laughs> like you are going to feel the wrath. But that's uh, what the takeaway is going to be. I am learning how to be less um, biting in my <laughs> in my uh, my suggestions on how people spell names or reference people. Anywho. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we digress. How um, how did you go about picking UNH as your school? That's that's a great question. So um, when I started to get recruited, um, it's funny. You know, I have a bunch of friends that you know grew up playing lacrosse, and their recruiting processes their processes were incredibly different from mine, just because they knew what they were doing. My parents and I, we we had no idea. Um, what we were doing. So I went randomly to a uh, uh, one day clinic and um, I ended up meeting a woman by the name of Steffi Samaris. And she was, she pulled me aside at the end of it and was like, well, uh, where, where are you getting recruited by? What tournaments are you going to this week, this summer? And I was like, mm, I'm, I, I'm not. She's like, well, what club team are you on? I was like, I'm not on a club team. She was like, oh my God, like we got to fix this. So I, she ended up, you know, taking me on her club team. I had no idea this existed. And I went to, I remember every single weekend of that summer, um, summer going into my senior year, I had a, a different tournament all over the country. And, um, my dad would literally drive me at, at 3am. My mom would like pack us lunches, whatever. And, uh, we would go to all these different, different tournaments. And, um, I remember one in particular, it was a huge showcase and I had just gotten, I had like these two, uh, moles on my on my knee and I had gotten them removed and um the doctor had just taken the stitches out oh, and no. um he was like you know you you're okay you can play and I like I was I'm, I'm a reckless you know I was reckless when I played and probably still I'm a little reckless now but um I dove something would happen and I looked down and I'd split open both both of the the incisions so I would like run over to my dad. I'm like, dad, what do I do? And he's like, oh God, like we got to go to the hospital. So we're in, we're in, uh, we're in Maryland and um, we go to the hospital and the doctor looked at me and he said, and obviously you're in like lacrosse country down there. So he looked at me and he said, do you want your knee to look pretty or do you want to get a college scholarship? And I was like, the latter. He's like, all right. And I'll tell you to this day, I'm the ugliest left knee that you have ever seen in your entire life. But was it, it like was super one of glue. The- Oh my God. He literally like for the queasy, it was like a fish hook. It was so bad. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I, and then I, uh, my dad and I was still numb from them stitching it back up and I went and played the rest of the tournament. And then I got (laughs) invited to a, another camp and I ended up meeting the assistant coach from UNH and they brought me in for a visit. And, you know, I kind of did it a little bit wrong. You know, they, I loved UNH. It was great. I went in, they're like, okay, you know, this is what we want. We like you. We're going to, you know, offer you the scholarship. And I was like, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> that sounds great to me. And like my parents didn't know. I remember I got in the car and my mom was like, this is really wild. And I was like, I think I'm going to go here, you know, <laughs> and that's kind of how it happened. And, and it, it was great. And um, I, I ended up, you know, loving UNH. There were some challenges a little bit at the, the end, but, you know, kind of made me who and what I am. But yeah, it was all kind of happenstance. Again, talking about being really lucky, you know, just having people kind of believe in you a little bit. It's what you need. It's, it certainly hasn't always been me. It's definitely other people. Do you, um, do you remember why you chose the major you chose? Oh boy, do I actually. Um, I started out as a uh, sports studies major and it was um, uh, my junior year. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Sophomore, junior year. And I, and I uh, told my guidance counselor, I want to work in professional sports. And um, she said, Oh, well then you can't be a sports studies major. I was like, well, why? And she said, you know, to be a sports studies major, you, it's predominantly focused at college and high school athletics, like being an athletic director or a coach. And I was like, Oh, I, I definitely don't want to do that. She's like, well, in like good conscience, I can't have you do this major. So I was like, Oh my God, like, what do I, <laughs> what, what do I do now? And she was like, well, a lot of these will transfer over. You can actually get a dual minor in business and sports studies based on the classes you've taken. And you could actually be a political science major. And I was like, that sounds good. And I remember I called my mom and I was like, mom, I'm going to be a dual minor in business and sports studies. And I'm going to be a, a political science major. She's like, what do you do with political science? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And it's so funny right now because, you know, I love working in sports, but ultimately at some point in my life, you know, I'd love to kind of be involved from a political standpoint. I try to be incredibly politically active and uh, maybe run day one one day run for public office. So it actually all kind of worked out in a weird way, and I, I love the knowledge that I gained from that. But it was so not intentional with the yeah. major which I ultimately graduated with. See also Pod Save America. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> my, my 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 interest in politics has has certainly uh, expanded over over the last I'd say year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think mine I, since. Uh, I'm trying to think, um, maybe like the last five, five to 10, and then like really a lot in the last two to th oh, three years. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. incredible how much it's changed. Um, and how, like, I think of being in college and like legitimately having no idea how to vote right. or, or what to do or. It was it was harder then because I went to school in the dark age and um, we didn't have really good Internet or anything like that. Like we had DOS. <laughs> uh, this is going to be bad. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. See, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. it's like it's when you get the black screen and just a blinking white thing. That's usually DOS based. I don't know what that actually means, what DOS means. It's DOS. Um, but it's like the, you know, beginning of the internet crap. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're like, yeah. I got nothing there for you. Yeah, you're. It sounds awesome. It yeah. Great. You, you were like maybe starting high school when I was graduating college. Uh, you know, at this point, I kind of wish we could go back to that. Let's, let's go back. No Twitter, no, no nothing. I'm good with that. I just want to shut one person. Well, now two, two people's Twitter's <laughs> off. I'm sorry, Kanye. 
I know. I miss. I miss. Uh, I miss old Kanye. Do you though? I mean, this Kanye is a little, a little off the rails. The fact that I'm looking at Kim Kardashian, like, girl, get your man. I'm like, come on. I Although I'm a, I'm a big Kardashian fan, so that, that's not necessarily fair to say. But oh. um, yeah, he's really, uh, I was watching his uh, live on TMZ and I was looking at Twitter on the way home and he's like going on Alex Jones info war. And I'm like, where are we right now that this is a platform we're utilizing? I mean, it's one of two things. Either he's doing it on purpose and it's an act, in which case I hate you, or <laughs> or there's something else going on, yeah. in which case I hope he gets help. Um, but either way, I don't think I've ever really liked him. His music's cool, but him and as, as a personality, I've always been a little like, really, dude? And I'm, I'm appreciative of people who... Uh, think differently. And, sure. and I absolutely believe that, you know, from a societal standpoint right now, people aren't uh, engaging in a way that everyone feels heard. And, and that's probably at the core of what's wrong in, in, a, in a lot of instances. But yeah, I think, um, you know, I am a huge supporter in, in support for mental health and mental illness. And I think if that's something he's dealing with, then he certainly, you know, is kind of voicing things in a way that are a little bit challenging. But um, if it's strictly to kind of sell records and, and promote his music, you know, you might think about going about it a different way. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and think he's trying to uh, articulate a different way of thinking. But hopefully he kind of understands the gravity of, of his reach and platform and understands how many people are oppressed in this country. So. Yeah, I. Uh, that, that's my political rant, I guess. Look at that. I don't know. You come for John Legend, and I've got issues. Like, I mean, Chrissy and John. Oh come my on. God! You're you're gonna have dinner with them later in the week, and you out him on like you throw his stuff on the Twitterverse. Like, come on, value those friendships. I want that I was friendship. More thinking, can you imagine getting a text that just says, "Hey, it's JL." Like, you're so cool. That you can just say, like, that'd be like me being like, hey, it's SP. You know exactly who that is. Like, John Legend just gets to text people and say, hey, it's JL. Like, that, that's what I focused on. Well, that's what's up. <laughs> well, also, like, how many times are you switching phones, both of you? Like, that you have to announce yourself. Like, that's each, my question. Each and every time. I, haven't, right. I haven't changed my phone number, my cell phone number, since I was at UMass. Legitimately, I, if you had my phone number at UMass, you can call me now. I may not like you, but you can. And it would still get to me. Like I, I've had the same number since my first ever phone. Remember, like the Nokia's, yeah. With like you could put the different uh, faces on them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I have the same one. I, I I ran into someone that I knew from high school the other day, and we were like, "Oh, you have my number?" And they were like, "This isn't still your number." So I was like, "It sure is. You got it." <laughs> yeah. People will be like, like, "Yeah, like, yeah fourteen people, years old." And then people get shocked when I call them. They're like, "You still have it." spring like an Amherst number I'm like yeah I got I got my first cell phone when I was at UMass I haven't changed my why do I need to change my number you can block people (laughs) (laughs) touche maybe Kanye and and JL need to learn about blocking I just want Chrissy to send me a message let's be BFFs I love it let's get yeah we gotta get Chrissy to an NWSL game she could be a oh she would love it she would love it um, we'll, we're going to speak it into existence. We're going to pull a Kanye. We're going to speak it into existence. Yeah, I bet you could get her involved, but <laughs> she is. 
she's uh, well. Uh, you know, uh, you bring up a good point. Unfortunately, the NWSL is not involved, and in she is. Um, but we're we're definitely kind of getting our our name out there, getting in front of a lot of people. But I love that initiative, and I think any way that other women's leagues and, and other you know the NBA, the NFL, whatever. I think there's other ways to kind of lift up. I, I live by the mantra that the rising tide raises all ships. Sure. So, um, you know, I think any way that we can support each other as women. Um, and just kind of as a professional league, you know, I'm, I'm all on board with that. I think, you know, we're really excited about where we're going from a league, but I'm also really excited to see how the, the landscape is changing for women. It's pretty cool to be a part of. I bet there's something you could offer her, like, I don't know, coin flip or first kick or I don't know. Yeah. Something. Maybe, maybe her, her kids will, uh, <gasps> pregnant with like her oh second. Oh my God. We'll get them out like Luna? a player escort. Yes. Could she be cuter? Oh, uh, no, no, not. She couldn't like, it's just not possible. Chrissy Teigen, if you're listening, we want to be friends you. with you. Yeah. One, we want to be friends Two, Luna can come. She can do whatever she wants. She can play for all I care. We'll get you out there. Let's do it. Yeah. And, and if you happen to like, you know, be tired cause you've got like kiddos and you're cooking food all the time and i'm not saying this in a pejorative sense it, she has a fucking cookbook people and you know i don't know maybe we can get like some men folk to to put you on one of those things they used to put you know princesses on back in the day and carry her out oh. onto the field yes all in this sounds like a great activation we just need a sponsor to support this who's in let's go i feel like we, we got figure that out yeah yeah Have you ever had the experience when you're about to go on a trip and you're checking out what your contact stash looks like and you realize, holy crap, I've only got like three left and I wear dailies and I'm about to go on a five-day trip. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. And it's almost like once a year. (laughs) And it happens, you know, right after my prescription has run out. So that means I have to try and squeeze in an eye doctor appointment. It's a pain. Um, Simple Contacts has a solution to this. It's super fast and it allows you to take a vision test that's self-guided in less than five minutes using your smartphone. That way, Simple Contacts can just renew your current prescription with some more contacts. That way you don't have to run around. The vision test is only $20, which if you go to your eye doctor, it's way more. And um, they will deliver your contacts right to your door. I took the little eye test. It was super easy. Um, they got to me really quickly. I loved it. You can try out Simple Contacts for yourself. And I've even got a little offer for you. If you go to simplecontacts.com slash LTPF and enter LTPF at checkout, you'll get $30 off of your contacts. That's $30 off. If you go to simplecontacts.com slash LTPF and then you enter the promo code at checkout LTPF. And one quick note, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Make sure you still go to your eye doctor to get those. And um, Simple Contacts is only going to test that your current prescription still helps you see 2020 and renew that prescription. They don't write completely new prescriptions or examine your eye health. So don't forget, go to simplecontacts.com slash LTPF and enter LTPF at checkout 
to get $30 off. How did you get your first job at IMG? So I interned at IMG. Um, I started off, I got an internship uh, going into my senior year. And I, I think I got it. The internship was in like digital media, which I obviously knew absolutely nothing about. It's actually a great story. So um, <laughs> as opposed to every other one you've told. <laughs> yeah, you never know. This one in particular, it's more it, it kind of shows that you never know, you know, who you're going to meet, who you're going to see, whatever. Susie, so. wait, hold on. So your first job in sports as an intern was in digital media. Digital media yes. did not exist when I was in school. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't know what it was at that time. Like, I, I didn't know what it was. It's like digital media. What am I going to do? And I, and I worked when I was an intern. I didn't even really get to work much on sports. I, I worked a lot on Caesar Milan was a client. Of the IMG Dog Whisperer? The oh, yeah. The Dog Whisperer. Stop and I worked a ton on like his website. And gosh, I wish I could like go back. I had like an old Dell computer. I wish mm-hmm. I could like go back and see that, but I, uh, I got that internship and then, you know, went back to school and I was at a, and I, uh, they told, you know, everybody IMG has tons of different departments, tons of people you can meet. If you're not meeting at least one person a week of your internship, you're doing it wrong. So I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I have to meet at least one new person. So I ended up, um, Sandy Montag had a satellite office and he headed up, you know, broadcast talent and, and clients and, you know, some of the legends in the sport, you know, John Madden and Jim Nance. And um, I went out one day and took the train out to the White Plains office and was just like, hi, I'm Susie. I'm, inter- you know, I'm interning. Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. So I then um, after I graduated college, I was at a Giants game with with my dad and um, I saw Sandy Montag walking around the field because uh, the Mannings are some of their clients. And I, you know, I ran down, mm-hmm. I was like, Dad, I, I met him at, during my, my internship. And I ran down, I was like, Sandy, Sandy, like I'm Susie Petrowski, I interned. And he came over, he's like, hey, how are you? And he's like, you know, I think we're, lo- well, I think we're hiring. What? And swear to God, swear to God. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll email you right now, yesterday, you know? And I, and I emailed him and I ended up going in for a couple interviews. I think it, it, the process took like two months I ended up moving to New York without a job because I was like, I am going to get a job in this industry. And uh, I, I got the job. And um, I remember they, they called and they made me an offer. And um, it, I think actually it was quite a lot for the sports industry. And I, it was $35,000, so $35,000 to live in New York City. And oh I had to commute God. out and, and everything. And I, I remember I called my mom and I was like, mom, I got the job. I was freaking out. And I was like, guess how much they're paying me? I was like $35,000. Like I was loaded <laughs> in my mind and I, I will never forget that. And I was like, mom, I made it. I have made it. This is it. And you know, so one, you never know who you're going to meet. So go out and talk to as many people as possible and you get $35,000. You're rich. As far as I'm concerned, you're rich. <laughs> I, I love that. Like he wasn't weirded out by the fact that you ran down and and we're like, hey, hey, I know you. Oh, God. Do you, you know how many people I've done that to now? I, and I've been fortunate. Like, I couple of my mentors. Um, one I met, I sent him a message on LinkedIn and uh, I just wouldn't leave him alone. And now 
eight years into my career, I, I still, you know, I talked to him very, very regularly. And it took like over a year, I think, for us to even, you know, get a drink or, or meet in person. But uh, I, I stayed kind of persistent with him. Another one, you know, uh, I, I met her at a conference and I just went up and was like, I, I, I love what you're doing. I think you're an incredible inspiration. And I've gone up to so many people like that. You know, the one thing that I, I, I just kind of have no shame and kind of saying like, my God, I think what you're doing in this industry is great. And fortunately, people have been pretty receptive to that. So it worked then. It still kind of works now. That's awesome. I um, I don't know if I told you this when we've talked previously, but my the the man who hired me, so the, the former general counsel for my organization, we had known each other for about six or seven years prior to him hiring me because of Twitter. And wow. um, yeah, and we would like email or send holiday cards or have calls from time to time. And the first time that we met in person was for my interview. Wow, that's very new age. You were just kind of like knocking yourself. But, you know, that's very new age through Twitter. Yes. It, well, I mean, listen, there are parts of me. It, it's actually two jobs I've gotten through Twitter. But yeah, there's wow. part. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but I still think it's I think when I knock myself with, it, with how old I am, I think it's because it's incredible how quickly um, it, everything has changed. Right. And so like, I, I know a lot of students listen to this and I'm thinking like, God, when I was in college, like I didn't like when I started college, I didn't have a cell phone. It, it just wow. like, I didn't get a cell phone until I was like 20, I think, which is, and then I had to be taught how to text by somebody like who has to teach anybody how to text these days? Because you had well, to do, I, yeah. you had to do the multiple pressing. It yes. was, you know what I mean? So I was, um, I yeah. was just talking, I was on the phone with my, with my best friend, uh, ahead of this. And we were talking about, um, how millennials remember a time when we didn't have, you know, cell phones and internet. And we, we always kind of had, well, we no, yeah, we remember a time before internet, but the Gen Zers, they don't remember a time before internet and texting and having their cell phones and tablets and that's wild to me that there is an, there are generations now that do not have a memory or, or any type of recollection of what this world was like prior to technology, which is, which is both kind of, you know, exciting and also terrifying. Right. Well, I mean, even for, cause I'm, I'm one of those that's, I'm at the very old end of millennial. So I'm like one of those quote unquote millennials who isn't a millennial. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of others, like we didn't have the internet the entire, like until maybe the end of high school. So, wow. yeah. So like, and when, when I was in college, you could not use the internet as a source for anything. Uh, literally you can't see this, but my mouth just dropped open. <laughs> so like, and, and when I have calls with people, you know, people, same as you, I, I probably have maybe two a week at this point and, um, which I'm happy to do, but I also have to limit to two a week, um, with, with how crazy work is right now. But, um, 
I can tell immediately if somebody hasn't done research on me. And my first thought is, oh my God, do you know the resources that you have available to you that like I literally uh, would have to like, you know, go through telephone books or like industry publications that had like names and addresses if I wanted to reach out to people because there was no way to do it otherwise. Uh, and it, I always think about it. It's kind of like it's a blessing and a curse, you know, sometimes yeah. I'm like, God, I wish I could just go back to when we didn't have email and it would just, you know, everything would be a little bit more, you know, manageable from, from a timing standpoint, whatever it might be. But then like you, you tell a story like that. We're so spoiled, rotten with all of the resources that we have. There's no reason not to be kind of the most prepared person in yeah. the room. I think we had, <laughs> you know, like, there's no, no excuse not to be. We had an encyclopedia like the books in my house. That was the thing. I, like I, need, I, I wish I had an encyclopedia. Now I feel like that decoratively, that would be great. I to know have. that'd be cool. Right. <laughs> kind of mad, like a relic. Kind of mad that we got rid of those. I think you can buy fake ones at like home goods. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you can, but like you open up and it's like the pages are all blank inside. So yeah. It's strictly decorative. There's, there's not even anything in it. <laughs> it doesn't even open. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even open like it's like a cutout and there's just yeah. like something obscure in the middle of it you can hide your gun in there um oh yeah here we are <laughs> now we're back where's the nra right <laughs> so can i just tell you how much even though we're off course very far and i don't care how great it is because the the last interview I did and the one that was released today was such a very tough topic for me that um, that this is very needed. <laughs> so I appreciate I, it. <laughs> I am very good for, for comic relief at the very least. I got you there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell me, what, what were you doing at IMG when you when you got that very lucrative job? I was, so I actually worked um, out in the the White Plains office. So think of this, you know, I just graduated college. I'm so excited. I got my first job. I lived, okay, anyone who lived in New York City, I thought I was the shit. I got got an apartment in Times Square. With how many people? It was just one other person. But I literally, when I tell you, I was like, oh my God, why doesn't everybody want to live in Times Square? This is amazing. I was like 43rd and 9th. I think I lasted there six months, six months until I, you know, I, I moved, moved out of Times Square. I was like, oh my God, this is the worst place ever to live. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, so I, I'm so jazzed and I had this great opportunity, but I was reverse commuting every day. So I didn't even get to work in the city. So I would, um, at the, I then moved up to the Upper West Side. So I need to take the um, one train up to Harlem 125th. I'd walk across Harlem 125th and then I'd pick up the uh, Metro North train out to White Plains. So um, that was a, a great start to kind of like, oh shit, this is the real world. Um, but I was working, um, there was a bunch of broadcast agents and, and talent agents out in that White Plains office. And I would I worked directly for the attorney who managed all of the client contracts. So I, um, I she taught me how to write emails. I, I was very afraid to mess up those emails. I She told me I put too many exclamation points. <laughs> And to this day, now I always put exclamation points in there. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this now. But, you know, she taught me to write emails. She taught me, do what I want. you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm a bad bitch, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, now I, I, I worked on contracts and kind of um, 
really got to, to learn a ton and I had exposure to, you know, incredible talent. Um, like I mentioned before, you know, the John Madden, Jim Nance's, Aaron Andrews of the world. And that was incredible. So, um, and that was actually right before the, um, the acquisition, the original acquisition with, with w, WME. So um, it was a little bit of a, you know, a nerving time out there. So that's ultimately why, why I left. Um, and I, I have, I always say that I kind of have like the traditional millennial resume, you know, that I've kind of gone to a couple of different places, but I kind of always had in mind that I ultimately wanted to end up on the sales side. So uh, a lot of the experience that, that I had was kind of geared towards ultimately getting into, you know, sponsorship sales. And I, I ultimately wanted to be an, an agent at that time. Uh, but it prepared me for, for what I'm doing now, actually. Yeah. Um, where does football night fit in? So I, um, that was like a, a friend of mine. Um, it, it was a college teammate. And she introduced me to her brother and her brother worked at NBC and um, his dad and, and her dad is actually uh, Bucky Guns. Bucky Guns was, you know, incredible talent. Um, he's received, you know, countless awards for his work on the Olympics. And, um, you know, I was just lucky that uh, his name is BJ and BJ was like, hey, you know, I work on football night in America um, on Sundays. Do you want to come? We need like another researcher. So at that time, I was working full time at MediaVest on the Coca-Cola sports business on the buying side. And on Sundays, I would then go into NBC as a researcher for Football Night in America. So I was kind of working like six days a week, but it was football. And it literally, you know, you're a researcher, but you get to kind of watch every game football all day. And I'm, you know, I'm in the elevator with Rodney Harrison and I'm like, this is <laughs> awesome. I'm good with this, you know? So that's kind of where that fit in. I did it for a season and was working six days a week, but it was sports. So it was good. It's fun. You worked for a media group, you said, during that time. And you said it's on the buying side. Can you talk about what that means uh, for somebody who really has no insight into um, that world? Absolutely. So I um, I didn't have much knowledge of that that world either. So I um, ended up getting a job at MediaVest on the media buying side. So it was the Coca-Cola business. And I knew, obviously, they had a, you know, a ton of involvement in sports um, and a number of properties. So I was kind of like, well, if I want to be on the sale side, ultimately, I think I need to understand what buyers are looking for. Um, and also I had no understanding of the media industry at all. So while it was by no means kind of my end goal, um, one, I was in an environment that I was surrounded by people that were my same age. And it was one of those really kind of cool environments. I had lifelong friends that I, that I got from that opportunity. And also I got to understand what, you know, a client is looking for when they're out in the marketplace and they're looking for, you know, properties to invest in, uh, what the conversation looks like when you're kind of a media buyer and they're, you're actually, um, you have kind of the, the space and someone's trying to sell into it. So I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not that difficult at the end of the day, you know, buying and selling, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. You, if you have something somebody wants you're in good shape. So, um, for me, it was just kind of a, a means to an end or ends to a mean. And, um, I had an opportunity to learn what it was like to be on the opposite side of what I ultimately wanted to be in. So, so that well, fortunately. So for, again, for people who really aren't, don't really know the ins and outs, um, 
when you talk about a property, you're talking about a TV show. So for I, I worked on the Coke business, which actually had a lot of uh, presence in a couple different established true properties. So the Super Bowl, um, the NBA, NASCAR, um, those are what I'm kind of saying properties. That's what I was referring to. So based on what brands you were on or what properties you were working on, um, I was on the strategic properties team and I, uh, I worked in a couple different instances. I worked on the Super Bowl. Obviously, I was much you know, on a, a very junior level at these places. So I wasn't necessarily making big time decisions, but um, I was working on the Super Bowl. I worked uh, for the Sprite brand on the NBA slam dunk. Um, then I, you know, with Coke, I got to learn about the NASCAR business and kind of what those relationships look like with, you know, broadcast partners, as well as what brands kind of align with certain sports properties. So mm-hmm. it was all pretty cool. You, um, NASCAR is funny that that fits in there. Sorry, that just hit me. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I didn't work on NASCAR particularly long. It was towards the end of my time at MediaVest, but I ended up getting really into it. I like vividly remember making my whole family watch a NASCAR race because I wanted <laughs> to see there was like there was like a lower third uh, or like like some vignette or something like that with the different uh, Coke talent. I was like, oh, this is coming up and it's got, you know, Danica Patrick in it or whatever. Joey Logano. I don't know. And I was, my family was like, do we have to keep watching NASCAR now? Are we good? (laughs) You're like, listen, I went to school in New Hampshire. What did you expect of me? (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) I'm all in on, I'm all in on NASCAR. Um, Your next move is, it was one that I think anybody from New England would have, you know, died for, which is to work for the Fenway uh, Sports Management Group. And, um, you were on the sales side at that, at that point, correct? So I actually worked uh, a little bit. So what I did there, I worked, um, within Fenway Sports Management, there was a, uh, FSM Ventures team and within Ventures, we did all of the fan travel for seven major league clubs. And then we also did the, um, fantasy camps for the Boston Red Sox. We ultimately ended up creating the women's fantasy camp down to Fort Myers. So if people aren't familiar with what fantasy camp is, um, people, you know, actually kind of sign up and pay to go down to Fort Myers at the Red Sox, uh, spring training facility, Fenway South at JetBlue park. And they actually get to act as if they're on the Red Sox for a full week. And then, you know, we did that. And then we also developed the women's fantasy camp, which was just one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of in my career. So I focused a lot more on kind of the hospitality and event side of things. So gotcha. then, you know, I got to to do a little bit of selling, obviously, with the packages for the hospitality standpoint. Then we'd have a number of events. The FSM team is, you know, I have, again, as I mentioned, I have lifelong friends from, from FSM and mentors and people that I adore there. And um, it's all it's truly an all hands on deck. Uh, organization. So when we had events like the Globies, um, everyone kind of got a chance to get involved. And I was fortunate in a couple of those incidents, incident, excuse me, instances <laughs> to um, get to uh, tap into some of my, my other contacts that I had in the industry. And, you know, I, I brought on like a sponsor for, for the Globies. So at that point I was kind of like, okay, this is really, really what I want to do. And Honestly, leaving leaving FSM was the hardest professional decision of my life just because it's truly a family there, you know, and, and it was an incredible place. But 
I knew I, I went in and there was a mentor of mine there. And uh, I said to him, you know, I, I was approached about the job for Spartan. I was like, do I go take this? And he's like, you got to take this job. Go show everybody that you can actually sell. Go do this. And I was like, OK, I'm going to do it. And it was it was the hardest decision again, you know, that I've ever made in my professional career. But it worked out OK. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine that it's hard for, you know, two reasons. One, you're comfortable at FSM. It's Fenway. You know, it's. It's a red It's a known it's a known quantity, right? And exactly. and it's more traditional sport. And and you're in a role where you you are comfortable with what you're doing. You you're you feel confident, you know you've got the skills. Your your move to Spartan was really a, a stretch move for you, which is pretty great. I think those are always Absolutely. you know, those are always the best um, next moves because you grow so much. Um, how did, how did that even come about? You know, um, I'm, I'm assuming based on, you know, some relationships in the area that probably helped, but Spartan even now is still kind of a renegade company. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the truth? And, you know, I, I, I was scared shitless and um, I, I confided in a lot of mentors. <laughs> Am I doing the right thing? And, you know, and no one can tell you if it's right or wrong, right. but um, I, uh, yeah. So I had a friend who was, who was, um, I, I knew her from New York and she was moving to Boston with her husband and um, she had talked to Spartan and she ultimately ended up taking a different position. She's like, you know what? You should talk to those guys. Um, they're doing some cool stuff. They're crazy, but you know, go talk to them. And then I ended up, um, going and getting, you know, coffee with, with someone over there at Spartan. We hit it off. It was great, but there was no position available at the time. So I remember, I think, you know, I, I called my dad or something like like that. I was like, yeah, you know, this could be cool, but it's nothing, you know, and and you hear that all the time. Anybody who's kind of coming up in the industry, like, oh, we like you, but we just don't have anything. And you kind of never think it's going to turn into anything. And then, I got a call and they were like, Hey, we, um, at the time, uh, Spartan didn't have, uh, the right to sell sponsorship based on the relationship with NBC that then changed and they brought sponsorship back in house and they, they needed more salespeople. So, um, I, I was, I think I did a, a good job of selling myself. And mm-hmm. then I was like, I'd go go home and, you know, sit by myself like, Oh my God, I just got this job and I'm going to be a director of sponsorship sales. And, I, I don't know if I can do this, but Jesus Christ, I got, I got the job. So now we got to <laughs> make this happen, you know? So, uh, and it was incredibly challenging, but, um, you know, I, I, I showed myself and I showed people that I could sell. And I kind of thought if I can sell a property like Spartan race, which is emerging, um, and not a proven entity, then, then I think I can sell a bunch of other stuff. So, um, for me, Spartan was, you know, of course, a non-traditional sport. But for me, Spartan was was career defining in that it, it allowed me autonomy and it allowed me the opportunity to show people, hey, I, I, I can do this. Um, so that's what Spartan, you know, truly represented for me. Yeah, I mean, and their business, that business is so interesting because you're almost building from the ground up what types of sponsorships you are going to become the norm because 
you know, I think with your standard sports, it's like known you've got like the 10 categories and you go after them. And that's, that's that, um, with Spartan, I mean, you guys kind of went all over the place and it was pretty cool to watch. I mean, it still is. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm highly invested still, you know, I love, I, I was, I had a great opportunity at, at Spartan too. So I came in and I did sponsorship sales. And then on top of that, um, they were building out the pro team and they needed someone to, to act as kind of an in-house agent for a lot of the pro team athletes. And when I started, uh, you know, they said, Hey, you know, has anyone ever done anything with talent? I was like, well, I, I did stuff with talent at IMG and they're like, all right, you're, you're going to be, you're going to do this. You're going to be their agent. You're going to sell uh, it, you're going to do endorsement deals for these athletes. So I had a dual role that I was kind of their agent. And then I was, um, you know, also doing sponsorship sales. So it Which was, is, you know, that's really interesting that that would be something that's Spartan. It, it's extremely non-traditional. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, that will certainly change. I think as Spartan continues to grow, but yeah, it was, it, kind of it was really first of its kind it's not necessarily the model by no means is the nfl representing its oh, players no, with their endorsement no, deals right no so um it <laughs> was like, really no. unique there there were times that i actually had to negotiate with spartan on behalf of some of the protein athletes so that was really interesting and, and you know i was empowered to do so but you know i'd have to go to our coo and say we're not paying, you know, this athlete enough money and, and they need more. And this is why. So I was literally negotiating with my employer. So it was really interesting, but you know, as I mentioned, you know, I always wanted to be an agent. So, um, it's actually, I, I loved it. Uh, it was incredible. I still stay in in close touch with a lot of the athletes, but, um, yeah, it it was another thing that that Spartan provided and, and, and afforded me the opportunity to, to take part in. So you should see um, my face right now. It's wild, right? Yeah. That's insane to me. And I don't think I ever (laughs) knew it. So now, um, I'm going to have to like text Ian uh, for people listening. Uh, I, I have a very good friend who works at Spartan who is, uh, Susie's boss, and I think right, he was your boss, yeah, right? Sure, and sure was. I'm like, I don't know. Um, and yeah, that's incredible. That yeah. Like, I, although if 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 and when Ian listens to this, he he would say that I spent too much time working on the player deals, but uh, it was fun. He he loved it. That is in- incredible. I'm always so I um. He he emailed Amelia for me and to do an intro and she never responded. But that's okay, Amelia. You're really busy. I know. You're at Apple. Uh, I'm gonna shoot Amelia a text now. For for anyone listening, Amelia Boone is the Michael Jordan of obstacle course racing. She's, she's kind incredible. of incredible. And she's a full time lawyer uh, at Apple. Apple. So Which she's is uh, insane. Pretty I follow her on Instagram because why not? Um and it's just like my dork runner side. So like I was a runner um, and everyone listening is like, oh my gosh, she's going to talk about running again. Um, <laughs> and so, but like I've, I've been fascinated with Amelia's story for like years because it's, I, I can barely function and I have 
a similar job. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> you we know? always joke around. We always joke around that um, once you're a part of the the Spartan family, you know, once you've been at Spartan, you're always at Spartan, and right. it is so true in that. You know, I, I jokingly now. I, there's things that that Spartan taught me, you know, I only eat grass fed beef now. And like I, I, I ingest bone broth. Like these are all things that it's the, the Spartan web. You do know, you, once you're in it, you, you're kind of in it. Do you carry around a kettlebell? I do not. That, I'll leave that to Joe. I do. However, I don't go anywhere without my my uh, hydroplast. Like I oh my God. can't live. I can't live without my, my water bottle and. Yeah, I mean it's bad. Like, I, I if I'm like, oh, is that grass-fed yogurt, or like, where does that beef come from? And I'm like, oh my god, this is bad. Um, so I, I think I mentioned to you offline that I, um, I recently talked to Margaret Schlachter, and so she's going to be a guest as well. I did an interview with her, and there's a lot That's of awesome. there's a lot of Spartan coming up in uh in these interviews. It's funny how that happens. Get a, getting a lot of love. Yeah, like that. A lot of love. You know what? You know what, Joe DeSena? I'm giving you a lot of free publicity, my friend. I am. I'm telling you, see, once you're in the Spartan web, you're always there. Yeah. I've seen you check out my LinkedIn profile from time to time, buddy. I'm looking at <laughs> you. Getting called out, Joe. Getting called out. I'm looking at you. I know you have a podcast, too. It's fine. Joe's asleep, so he's almost, almost certainly listening to this. <laughs> if not, Ian's going to tell him to. Right, Ian? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that's crazy. So you're kind of in a, you're in an organization that I now, that would be like a dream for me. And it's because it's a women's league. How did you make that transition? Um, you know, was a headhunter involved? Um, did you respond to a posting online, um, tell, I don't know, some of the nitty gritty details of it. Yeah. So there was a headhunter and, um, I wasn't looking, you know, as I mentioned, I, I, I love kind of the Spartan organization and what we were doing there. And, uh, headhunter called me and said, Hey, you know, have you heard of the NWSL? Um, they're looking to fill a, you know, head of sales, you know, VP of sales role for the league. And I was like, well, where is it? And, um, so that's New York city. And, um, <laughs> I, I lived in New York city before and I loved New York, but New York's an exhausting place. And I was like, Oh, you know, I, I'm not interested in, in moving back to New York. And, you know, I'll say when I, my girlfriend, when I started, when we started dating, she said, you know, um, I said, well, I work in the sports industry. It takes you everywhere. And she said, well, I'll go anywhere with you, but I really, really like, we're not going to New York ever. I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to go back to New York. <laughs> so, um, uh, he was like, you know, hey, what if we could be flexible? I was like, well, if I can work remotely from Boston, then that sounds great. And he was like, well, you know, went back to them and came back and said, oh, we're, we're, they're not going to be flexible for you to work in Boston, but maybe they, they could be a couple of days. Why don't you just take the call? I was like, okay. And like my girlfriend's like sitting on the couch, like I know exactly where this is going. <laughs> so uh, we, we had a phone call. A phone call went great. And they were like, you know, why don't we, why don't you, why don't you come to New York and we'll meet in person? And I was like, okay. So go to New York, then it went great. And obviously at this point, I'm like so bought in. I was like, this is such an incredible property. I cannot believe someone hasn't been focusing on sales for this organization. 
And, you know, I'm someone that once I'm in, I am all in. If I don't believe in in something, I, 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 you know, there's people absolutely and there's no problem with it that can, you know, sell properties that they may not necessarily entirely believe in. But I am not one of those people. So for me, once I really started to learn more about it and the direction it was headed, I was like, oh, my God, this has has the potential to, you know, change the game for, for women's professional sports. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, at that point we then kind of started negotiations and, you know, uh, my girlfriend said, all right, if you, you know, if you get what you want and you feel comfortable with it, we can go, but we have to live in Brooklyn. I was like, deal done. <laughs> so, so, uh, we live in Brooklyn and, uh, we're in New York. So, you know, that's how it happened. That's awesome. Uh, that's really, really cool. What are some of the the interesting things that you've been able to work on um, with the league? I mean, I think people are so used to talking about men's leagues and um, and the known quantities that they are. I know NWSL has done some really interesting things that diverge a little bit from the standard. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we have a blank slate. So anybody who's listened to this, I want to be a sponsor of the league. Give me a shout. S-U-S-I-E is the name in case you're wondering. Uh, but uh, no, we're, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. You know, the, the, my boss here at the NWSL, we work out of uh, a, the A&E network offices. So A&E um, owns a 25% equity stake in the league, which is really, really different for, for any league, obviously. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have the support of A&E. And Lifetime is a broadcast partner um, of ours. So we have the broadcast partnership in place. U.S. Soccer is a managing partner of the league. So we have the support of U.S. Soccer. So I think, you know, for us, when I always get incredibly excited, we're going into a World Cup near, World Cup year next year. So all of a sudden, the country is, is focused on soccer. So when everyone kind of turns on their TV, so obviously the men didn't make it this year, but, yeah. you know, next year when, when knock on wood, the women will qualify and, uh, you know, yes, be de- they will. Def- defend, defending their crown. You know, we're really excited that where do you watch everyone when they, you know, when, when the World Cup's over? It's the NWSL. You know, we have all of those names that everyone recognizes. So yeah. the Alex Morgans, the Carly Lloyds, you know, the up and coming players like Mallory Pugh that are going to be kind of the next studs uh, of the game. You know, we that we are there. They're home league, you know, so we're really, really excited about what that means kind of for the general population to, to really support these women when they come back from kind of the tentpole events at the world cup and the Olympics. So what we're doing is, you know, we always kind of reference the fact that, and I worked in baseball and I, again, I loved baseball, but you have challenges like, you know, bam, sometimes uh, presents challenges. And there's oftentimes more rules and regulations, you know, with the NFL, whereas we're a property. We're not saying, Hey, this is uh, an either or type thing, you know, give up your major league baseball sponsorship and come to the NWSL. We're a compliment. And we think that we present kind of a property that allows people to get really, really creative. We're probably not going to say no too much when it comes to activations. And we want to kind of, everyone's going in this direction of engaging with fans and creating, you know, different activations and elements that stick out. It's not just a sign on the field, uh, you know, a field board anymore. Right. So what we're presenting is this opportunity to get really creative, engage with a passionate audience. And, and, you know, for us, the fan of women's soccer 
they are a fan that is more than just a fan. And by that, I mean, they are truly, truly passionate about the success of women's soccer as a whole, Yeah. which if you get someone who's a, a Red Sox fan, you know, they're a Red Sox fan. They know baseball is going to be there. Whereas the fans of our league, they they've seen the league go away in the past. So they care on an entirely different level and they're passionate on an entirely different level. So, you know, I, I, the Spartan racer, I've been exposed to them and they're, you know, a a breed in and of themselves. I've worked with Red Sox season ticket holders who are a breed in and of themselves, but you know, the women's soccer fans out there, they have this understanding that it can be taken away. And, and the same with the athletes, you know, they know that the growth of the sport and, and the success of the league, they're, they're, you know, dependent on one another. So, um, that's kind of, you know, how I view it. And and in taking this job, I realized that I had an opportunity, knock on wood, to really make an impact for hopefully, you know, generations to come. And hopefully we'll get people that buy in and we're, we're working on it now and brands that understand the importance and the power and, and the, the, volume of women's voices right now. And, and we're kind of hoping to be at the forefront of that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's incredible and I obviously love it. Um, I think anybody listening knows that I'm like, yeah, go. Um, I, I think it's, it's such an easy, to me, it would be such an easy buy-in because you've got in particular young girls and mothers, right, and young women who are the the natural purchasers of like everything. And yeah. and why not, you know, get, you know, people to like your brand at a, at the at that young age or, you know, I don't know, it just seems like it would be such an it's silly if you're listening and you're a brand and you haven't aligned yourself with the NWSL. It's silly. I mean, really. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not naive enough to think, you know, I'm going to go out there and say, duh, of course, you know, be oh, a sponsor yeah. of the NWSL. And, 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 but I truly believe it's going to take, and, and, you know, we're talking to a lot of big brands right now and it's going to take that first one. And, you know, our existing partners came as a result of, our relationship with U.S. Soccer, which is fantastic. Nike's our apparel partner. Um, then we have a relationship with uh, Cutter and Thorne, which are U.S. Soccer partners. But outside of that, we're a clean slate. You don't have much to compete with. So um, we think it's it's a matter of kind of one big brand saying, we see what you're doing yeah. and we are, we are with you. And we don't want to be um, a charity case. We're not. You know, we have the best women's soccer talent in the world playing in this league. Um, so, so I think it's just a matter of saying, Hey, we're aligning with you, but we want to create a truly impactful and, you know, for lack of a better term, badass relationship and sponsorship opportunity that we can't get anywhere else. So um, it's, you know, knock on word, we're close, but um, it's just going to take one, we believe. And then hopefully the dominoes start to fall, but um, it takes one to kind of say, yeah, we get this. We're all in. Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, it, it took it, it took a long time, I think, for WNBA to to really get there where they were able to do it as, aside from NBA, right? I think um, you you see NWHL and and CWHL. I think it's taken both of them a little a little while, and I think these are such great sports 
to get involved in. Um, a, I mean, you're, when you're starting at zero, you know, the, the brand recognition is, is going to be incredible. Right. And, and then, and then you've, you've got the interest of, you know, the, these are such accessible sports, soccer, you know, being probably one of the most accessible in that like kids, no matter where they are, um, no matter how much money they have, can play it. You just need a ball. You don't need anything else, really. And and I just think like it. I I think it would behoove people to do it. You know, I'm with you because they're all you. listening to what I care, <laughs> what I care about, and what I think. Um, but no, I I love it, and you all do a lot um, in the community as well. Yeah, yeah, for our, our local clubs, absolutely. So right now we have nine teams. We're we're looking to expand, and you know, hopefully we'll have a, you know, one or two more heading into next year. But yeah, absolutely, our 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 local teams um, are very active within the community. A lot of the you know brand potential brand partners that we're talking to now, um, community engagement is something that we touch on and absolutely plan to include. You know, if and when we kind of sign on some of those bigger partners. So that's the other piece of this is, uh, you know, I touched on this, but the women in this league are more than willing to go above and beyond for, for partners. So, you know, they, they kind of look at us and say, what can we do? How can we, you know, sign this, this help you sign this big partner? How can we get involved? Is it aligning with their charity? Is it kind of going out into the community and doing, um, you know, clinics, whatever it might be. So the women are, are very, very much on board and want to be a part of that. And we as a league think it's imperative. You know, yeah. if you you go in any community across our this country and uh, you see, you know, little kids playing soccer, it doesn't matter if they're little yeah. boys, little girls, whatever they might be. And um, we hope, you know, when you hear about kids say, man, I, you know, I, I watched Michael Jordan growing up or I watched LeBron growing up. People are watching Alex Morgan and people are watching Carly Lloyd and they, that's who they want to grow up and be just like. And we want when they're growing up them to say, I want, when I grow up, I want to be in the NWSL. And that's exactly kind of the, the thought process and what our intention is as a league. I mean, what an opportunity right now to jump on the bandwagon when you're, you've got a world cup coming up and Unlike certain other leagues, uh, our U.S. team that hails from your league is freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's awesome, insane. So, uh, we have, you know, we have uh, about two hundred athletes uh, that play within our league, and uh, one fourth of them will be on you know national team rosters. So we actually stop play during the time period of the World Cup. We'll we'll obviously be supporting a lot of our athletes. So how we kind of are positioning this is it's you're getting a little bit of a World Cup type sponsorship in aligning with the NWSL because we'll be supporting all of our athletes. They come back and that's where everybody's coming to watch them. Then it's it's our games. It's it's we're the you know, knock on wood. I said this a lot, but, you know, I I don't like to jinx anything, but I feel incredibly optimistic um, about, you know, getting these sponsors to kind of buy in and, and prepare for a World Cup and Olympic year where we think our women are going to crush it again. And we think that they're going to continue to prove that they're the best athletes in the world and the sport that they chose to participate in. I mean, I know that you probably can't really say like, yeah, team USA is going to win because 
you know, some of your athletes are from other countries, play for other national teams. But I mean, Team USA is going to win again. Hey, you can't you can't jinx it. I told you I'm knocking on wood over here. But I mean, there's a lot of really <laughs> strong young talent as well. So yeah. that's what I'm super excited for. You know, we have I mentioned, you know, Mallory Pugh before, but she just turned 20 this week or last week, 20 years old. And she is in, incredible. And she's kind of the future of our, our national team. So uh, obviously kind of when Alex Morgan had her coming out, um, I forgot who was the Olympics or the World's Cup and everybody all of a sudden knew her name. And she's probably one of the most recognizable, you know, female athletes in sports now. Yeah. That's what's going to happen when we kind of come out of the next World Cup, uh, ideally. So that's where we're most excited to see how we can kind of get brands to buy in. And then, you know, you already have access to who are going to be kind of, yes, or of course the existing superstars in the sport, but who's the next superstar in the sport, you know, and most likely they're playing in our league. So, and if for people who aren't super familiar, uh, Mallory Pugh was drafted straight from high school, right? So she played, I, I believe it was one year in college and then she actually left, left college yeah. I believe she, I, I don't think she, I'll, I'll have to double did check. Did she actually I, I'm not play certain. or did she go and then halfway through was like, nah, I'm out. I think you're right. That's kind of what I was thinking about. But yeah, she was kind of the first ever um, like to really young. leave. Yeah, exactly. So she, you know, she set a precedent, which is awesome because it shows kind of the draw, the legitimacy of our league. And, you know, she's crushing it now. Like she's scoring goals like she's not even trying it's crazy i'm very uncoordinated so if you put me on a pitch with a ball and told me to kick and run i would fall on my face that's okay we won't make you do it yeah i mean and i don't move too quickly so goalie might not be my thing either i will sit on the sideline the what are they is that what it's called yeah, sideline. That's okay. perfect. We actually, it's funny. We, uh, when we go into pitch meetings, we have this sizzle reel and it's like a two minute long video and it shows just how incredible these women are and the atmosphere. And, uh, we, I always get like goosebumps when I get it. And one of the girls, uh, that I work with, she actually was a, an athlete in the league. So we always joke around. I always kind of call her out because someday she's more emotional than others. And she's like tearing up when we're doing the sizzle reel. So <laughs> I to, to call her and she's like, it's just, it's just so moving, but uh, I always like get goosebumps. And I was uh, working from home one day and I have two, two small nieces and my three-year-old niece was like, I played the video for some reason. And she made, she loved it so much. She made me play it like six times over and over and over and over again. I remember I called my boss and I was like, this is, this is it. This is it right here. You know, my my three-year-old niece doesn't even play soccer. And she's having me play this video over and over and over again. She might've just liked the music, but it was at least a good narrative to be able to say, see, like even three-year-olds get it. Oh, I would have cried. <laughs> oh my God. That would have so, made me cry. <laughs> I, you, know, you know how I said I have the best dad in the world. I have the best nieces in the world and they're kind of like, you know, the loves of my life. So anything they do, I kind of think is perfect. But yeah. in this instance, you know, they, they were extra perfect. Oh, this is such a good note to end on. Um, I want to ask one last question. And that is, what do you do by way of self-care? So for me, fitness is incredibly important. So um, I'm someone that I'm like, I always say I'm like kind of like a puppy. So um, (laughs) if I don't get, uh, you know, my walk, then, you know, I'm bouncing off the walls. So 
Um, I work out as much as possible and I, you know, recently kind of got into yoga as well. So I'm doing a lot of yoga. My best friend owns a spin studio. So, uh, I try to do that a ton, but yeah, fitness for me is huge. And that's not in like, not always in the traditional sense. Like I try to kind of mix it up and just be outside and be active. So that's awesome. That's, that's, that's kind of my, my go-to. Otherwise, you know, I still like puppies. I have a puppy right now and he oh, chews do? things when he doesn't get, when he doesn't get exercise. So I'm a little bit the same. What kind of puppy? <laughs> he is, that's a great question. He is a Australian cattle dog, Jack Russell Terrier mix. And he kind of looks like a leopard. And, Holy um, crap. He doesn't stop jumping up and down. He doesn't stop jumping. He doesn't stop running. Um, he needs about three hours of exercise a day, but he's very, very cute. Aw, well, that's really cute. Well, <laughs> thank you. For- now that everybody knows kind of my whole family, where I'm living, everybody's got the whole stick. Welcome to the Petrowski family. Yeah. I mean, first of all, learn how to say the last name and you get a cookie. Yeah, you spell it and then you got a job, basically. Right. Which is why Ian <laughs> still doesn't work for you. <laughs> Ask Ian. Ian still can't say my last name, and I worked for him for like over two years. That guy. Aw, we love I him. I love him. I, I love Ian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on and bringing uh, some some snarky levity. Uh, it it is much appreciated, and um, and I think people will have learned a lot as well. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm going to have to put that on the back of my, my business cards or like my email signature. Like might not be the smartest, but will bring snarky levity. Yeah. With you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. um, well, no, no. Thank you so much. What you're doing and, and kind of creating this type of platform is incredible. And if we can, you know, educate and help anyone coming up in this industry or in this industry, especially as women, you know, man, you're doing the right thing. So I, I'm, I'm, grateful to have been a part of it and i'm excited to see what you continue to do with this podcast awesome oh that's really sweet thank you no doubt big thank you to Susie for i don't know making me laugh so much um we did that interview just a couple of days after we released uh, Morgan's interview or after I finalized Morgan's interview. So it was really helpful for my mental health to, um, to chat with Susie. And I don't know, I just loved it. We go everywhere. My favorite part is where we call out John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. Offer still stands, guys. We want to be friends. <laughs> I hope you all have an amazing week and please remember to rate, review, and subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and RadioInfluence.com. Have an amazing week and we'll talk to you soon. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. We have two to 3,000 thoughts a day. The champion has less. They've eliminated thoughts that cause the worry, anxiety, the fears. The best stay out of the past, which dredges up the anxiety, the fears. That type of thinking is all under the self arena. It needs to be eliminated. But you've got to be aware of it, and you need to commit to it on a regular basis to clean up your inner dialogue.
I've said this many times on the air, and I've said it, <laughs> I don't know how many times to client. If I talk to you the way you talk to you, you'd fire me. You'd get rid of me. The goal is to be your genuine, be your genuine, authentic best self. Well, positive self-talk is right at the top of the list. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.